0: Positive Feedback Loop. Three, two, one. Hi, welcome to this episode of Positive Feedback Loop. I'm Luis. This is Ray. And
1: this is Stephanie.
0: So, if we sound a little bit different from how we usually sound, it's probably because this week, due to uh, certain wintry conditions, we are actually recording from home. So, we are all recording on our own computer setups. Uh, via Skype. So this is a little bit of an experiment so you guys are com- coming along with us for this experiment. Now PFL is a podcast dedicated to exploring the things that we personally find interesting and just going really deep in with them and just talking about them seeing well, how they impact us and learning from each other. Today's a little bit different in that sense because we're going to be actually listening to what, uh, talking about what our listeners think is interesting. We poll them uh, got some feedback on what things, some things that people wanted to hear talk about. Wanted to hear us talk about, and <laughs> so we're going to be just discuss a few of those. Um, and the first one that we're going to be starting out with is football. So uh, some of you might know, I'm not a big sports person. Not out of any particular dislike of the, you know, people who do or anything about that. I just never had, never got into it. Uh, but the Super Bowl ended uh, this last week. Uh, the Patriots won after an exciting game, coming from behind. One of the probably a historic game for people. People, some people were very angry, some people were very happy. Say, Livy. So, uh, what do you guys think about football? It's a very broad <laughs> well, question.
1: I did go downtown after the parade to run an errand, and it was it was disgusting. Uh, there was garbage mist- mixed with sludge everywhere because it had snowed and rained at the same time that day. And so you have thousands of people dropping their trash. Then you have confetti that's been dropped on top of everyone, and then you've got snow and rain. So you can imagine how gross it was downtown.
0: And I'm going to assume all of that mixed with a fair amount of vomit from people who partied a little bit too hard.
1: (laughs) That is so gross. I don't want to think about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but I don't think that's necessarily a result from only football right that's any kind of celebration if it was like the chinese new year you'd have the same exact confetti uh, <laughs> and craziness which i've seen personally i yet. disagree what do
0: i you mean? have i think when a town's team tends to win any like large sporting event, especially in towns that are really dedicated sure. to a specific sport the whole city goes freaking crazy i was right, right in it's Barcelona. Specific sport
2: right that's yeah. right but I, i'm just trying to say that it's not you you asked stephanie uh, what do you think about football? And then she got into the conversation about how disgusting the streets were after oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the football parade. I just wanted to clarify and say that it's not because of football fans that streets got dirty. It's because of fans in general for yeah. anything that they love.
0: But well, What about I, Barcelona, I, Luis? Oh, I was going to say that I was actually in Barcelona when uh, Barca won some major sporting event. And the whole city went insane just the smell, of people just letting off fireworks in the middle of crowds, and just it was it was a blast. It felt like the entire city had come out, so that was fun, but also messy as heck.
2: Yeah, and when uh when I traveled to India, I've I've seen a lot, much more messy, crazy, dirty kind of areas, and sometimes there was no celebration. It was just the way it was. So, um, yeah, but anyways, let's move on. I think yeah. we'll talk more about the the sport of football and its yeah. history, and maybe. Uh, how it could be viewed by uh, maybe even like archaeologists in the future. Like how do we see it as, as a sport
1: compared to other sports? I had like 10 years ago contacted a, an archaeology professor in Utah because I wanted to get some archaeology readings. I'm It's my passion. And he had sent me, and I couldn't find it, but he had sent me this article. It was hilarious, and it was basically written by an archaeologist explaining how archaeologists in the future might view our football addiction in America. And I remember he, he said, you know, you have these virgins that are chanting, right? So yeah, cheerleaders at football games, they're like the chanting virgins of our of this uh ritual. Interesting. That we have. Yeah. And then we, we we skin a pig and we put it around this ball and we and we pass around this ceremonial pig skin. Can right? I just can
0: I just note that we call it a ball. But it's a very misshapen ball <laughs> yeah, by ball standards. <laughs> <laughs> Good
1: point. Which is could be, you know, some ritual. You know, archaeologists yeah. are looking back on us thinking, like, why did they shape it this way? It must have some meaning. And then we have, like, the lines that are drawn, you know, along the field and, and hundreds, thousands of people watching. And then you have all this alcohol getting spilled on the ground well maybe they poured libations out as they as they uh watched this ritual and then you think uh people always eat the same foods at football yeah. games right it's like a very narrow selection of foods and it's always the same types of foods nachos and a lot of people like get beer at football games
2: i want to kind of more define it and to try to see like what's specific to football and separate it out from all the other sports. So yeah, people drink beer at baseball games too, That's and true. even when they go bowling. So I, I'm thinking, if you want to focus on what makes football so different, what is or the special,
1: ritual? I guess I'm just seeing all of these hilarious things archaeologists could say thousands of the years tackling
2: right now. part. The aspect of tackling
0: is not common. So maybe is the, the violence. Common
1: sport. Like the violence of the sport yeah. has the some meaning.
0: It's a lot more. It, it's <laughs> a lot more of a war ritual, I would say. If I were to be a an anthrop- yeah. a anthropologist from the future, looking back, an archaeologist, I might think that it was some sort of war ritual, preparing people for actual combat, or to like simulate important historical events, like important historical battles, and like that's where like the strategies are coming in from, and things like that. You know, that might be my assumption. But the thing is, and I find this really interesting: how can you think about the way that we think about future archaeologists is completely different now than it would have been a thousand years ago. Although, first of all, a thousand years ago, they probably didn't have quote-unquote archaeologists.
1: Well, Herodotus was some sort but, of a historian that, you know... True, told but it's so
0: much more difficult for a society to be lost now. You don't just yeah. lose things now. Sure. We don't lose information the same way that we used to. Before... Bandits could come, raise your town, everyone's dead, done. That town is over. It gets buried by a few layers of sediment in a thousand years. People discover it. There's history there. And then you kind of like try to like piece together half – just try to kind of half-ass piece together. But now with electronic records and archives and, yes, paper will still be around for a while, but we have everything written down in one way or another.
2: We record every yard that each person runs and every pass and every play for every second and every conversation and every yellow flag and that's kind of, it's digitized somewhere I'm assuming. So yeah, you're right. It's going to be hard to lose that information. But yeah.
1: Well, unless you think digital information is actually much easier to destroy than, than a book. I mean, people experience it every day where they're like, oh my gosh, my whole hard drive is gone, The enti- my photos for my entire life. You know? True, a
0: poorly placed magnet could probably mess up a lot of that information. Yeah. But there's still some formats that are pretty resistant to damage. I mean, I think tape has been used for a while, for a lot of things, because it's expensive and lasts for good enough time. And even if we lose a lot of our digital records, because human civilization has advanced to a point where we have such dominating presences in the world i don't think like new york city unless a nuke drops gets dropped on it not saying that's impossible but unless that happens it's still gonna be visible you're not gonna like bury the entirety of new york city in under like a few layers of sediment you know right there's gonna be enough left over that you could make out kind of a semblance of what real life was like
2: and even all that data from New York citizens are on the cloud somewhere in like, you know, yeah, Asia or something.
0: That being said, we don't have clay tablets, for example, that got better if a fire happened. You know, like that was one of the things that like survived a lot of antiquity was clay tablets, which would be would, would only get hardened if a fire came and destroyed the, destroyed the town.
1: There are materials yeah. that are so resilient. And like you said, the more you fire clay, the more solid <laughs> it gets. So that's a You're good You're not point. really
0: destroying the information at that point. Um, but it's also interesting. So I, I know this, I'm going completely off topic and I'll, we'll come back down uh, to football and what people will care about. But this reminds me a little bit of Chinese paper armor. So speaking of materials that do can, work kind of counterintuitively, in China, they actually made... Uh, armor from paper back in the old days. And it wasn't like, you know, thin pieces of paper stapled together. It was like the pulp of paper before it becomes paper. So it was like really thick.
1: They're basically the wearing whole... trees.
0: Yeah, you were basically wearing trees. And the point was that the, uh, one of the interesting things about it was that the armor actually became more effective under rain because it swallowed all the water, it absorbed all the water, and then it became heavier and more effective at stopping arrows and weapons. So just an interesting uh, side bit.
1: Although I would think it would make you so tired to wear something like It that. would be
0: very tiring. You probably don't want to be wearing that at all, especially not in the rain. But it was cheap to make, <laughs> so that's why they did it.
1: Well, then football uh, players wear some really heavy stuff. I was thinking back on how Ray said, what's different about football from the other sports? And I think, okay, yeah, it's maybe the ball and and the the warlike ritualistic parts of uh, the activity. But then there's the... Because of that body contact, there's the heaviness of what they wear. I mean, baseball players just wear some cotton and tennis shoes or whatever, you know, not tennis shoes. And a helmet. And then a, a helmet. And then you have basketball players that wear almost nothing, you know. So what is it about the football garb besides being protective?
0: You know, it's interesting to me that football developed the way it did, given that it comes I think from the same... Background as soccer, right, or as anyone else in the world would call it football, but they they all kind of come from the same sources. So it's interesting to develop so differently because one is very restrictive in what you can and can't do. Your entire you, you know you can't use half your limbs, um, or else that's a foul in soccer. And you're not really particularly heavily armored. You have no protection except where and you have except for I guess.
1: The cleats. cleats
0: but that's yeah. more of a weapon than a, than a protection <laughs> so it, it's interesting that it developed so differently where one is more on head-on hit people use uh you can throw you can kick you can do so many things and it developed from the same source
2: right well i just want to read something i found here it says on november 6 1869 ruckers and princeton played what was billed as the first college football game However, it wasn't until the 1880s that a great rugby player from Yale, Walter Camp, pioneered rules cha- rules changes that slowly transformed rugby into the new game of American football. So you could see how rugby was the
0: yeah it was the originator for uh, f- modern football. But rugby, I believe, originated with the an- ancestor of what we call soccer. I think they all mm-hmm. kind of like come from the same background, I think it was something I think called mob football in in Europe, which I think was like entire towns would play this thing uh, in England. So mob, fo- mob football was originally played, I think, in England and it was basically just towns against each other. So it would just be unlimited number of players. You got the entire town together and the whole point was to basically grab this like pig bladder from one town and take it and just take the big pig bladder from one town.
1: That's weird. And so you would
0: just have these like <laughs> masses of people just like fighting over a pig bladder. So I think that's may might be where the pigskin come from. Comes but you're from, saying but they I, would go
1: a long distance, like not a football field, but they go from town to town.
0: Well, no, they would have uh, markers at the end of each t- of a town. Okay. Um. So, like, but it would be different villages together, playing against each other. Yeah. With like the entirety of village A of I don't know w- Western Hampshireshire. Uh, was, uh, was, uh,
2: was there a purpose? Uh, was there a intended goal? That they wanted to achieve, or was it just strictly for fun, or was it like we'll get the next portions of meat if we? I, I don't
0: know. Why do people play football? I mean, in the during World War Two, people played. There was a that famous. Uh, there was no World War One. There was that famous set of matches during when uh, people played soccer across yeah. the trenches. Just like there was just a pause in Christmas, and people just played soccer for fun. Hmm. It's interesting how what these games can be done for. I mean, Ray does make a good point. The, any of these sports could have been used for, uh, just for fun. They could be used to show to like, you know, get pride in your, in your location. They could use as training. I mean, I know archery was really popular for a while in England because they, that's how they had, you know, longbowmen. And that was one of like their big advantages in, um, some, in, in certain wars and certain battles. Uh, and similarly, uh, Ray was making an allusion to this outside of um, this conversation to the Coliseum where you had you know, blood sports and that sort of thing. So the history of sports and how they come about and what they're done for is fascinating.
1: It just seems like we've become more divergent in current history where you have very extreme football lovers. They're just mm-hmm. people who are obsessed. They've got to see the game no matter what. And then you have people who just couldn't care less they don't even know who's playing. They don't know what's going on. And
0: well, so this actually, um, this reminds me a little bit. So in, and I'm throwing a lot of like random history facts here. So I apologize to listeners who might be a little bit bored of history. But um, for a long time in ancient Rome, the main thing that really fascinated them was the races, right? They had while after the fall of the Eastern Empire, the main, the Colosseum, basically gladiatorial combat was outlawed, and they were really all about the horse races, the chariot races, and they were basically they they formed these groups, these clubs that were basically like part social organizations, part uh, fan club, part hooligans, and part political organizations that were basically rooting for one of two two gangs. Uh, they were the Blues and the Greens. Those were the two chariot race groups. And the level of fanaticism that went into these chariot races. And you have to realize, nowadays, we have entertainment coming out the wazoo. We have so many things competing for our attention that there is a reason why not everyone is a football fan. Because you have other things you could be a fan of, right? I mean, we have fans of every form of entertainment. So, And there's only so many things that you can devote your attention to. But back in that in those days, when you had nothing else except for like a day at the at the races, the whole city was insane for this. I mean, there were, uh, emperors each had their own uh, favorite group with some were green, some were blue. There were riots that exploded and basically burned down half of Constantinople as a result. Um really famously, thousands, hundreds. I think it was like tens of thousands died in one famous riot over because they were gonna hang um one of the the team members who had happened to commit a crime. This sort of thing. And we live in a world where that doesn't happen as much. We still have hooliganism in terms of some sports, but it's relatively rare. And I'm kind of thankful that's the case. Because I like having options. And my city not being on fire.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, people can get very passionate. <laughs> uh, I mean... Especially if it's
0: the only thing you have.
1: It's It's funny because... One of the listeners who wanted to hear about this topic thought it would be funny for us to talk about American football because um, my obsessions do not align with football, and I really love history and archaeology and philosophy, and so he thought it'd be hilarious if I gave my thoughts on the Super Bowl, which I have almost none. And there's this blogger, Stephen Liddell, who's at stephenliddell.co.uk, but he uh, writes a scene as if you're seeing a football seeing people watching a football game at a bar right but instead of watching a football game they're talking about archaeology which i thought was very relevant to me so he writes you know you walk into the bar and you see you know everybody's discussing you know what's going on and he says you know it's a nice pub it has a beer garden, there's posters in the windows, and then you hear live excavation of the Valley of the Kings, and there's this huge TV with the volume up really loud, and drunk people are yelling at the screen, and then somebody shouts, send it for carbon dating, you useless fool, and then somebody else <laughs> is like, what are you on? Dust the ancient medallion gently, and they're like, you know, they're shouting at each other with these like excavated you know, the smelting methods are prone to disfiguration you need to move on you know so it's like what would you what scene would you see if you went to a pub and people were were very passionately yelling about their topic of expertise and it wasn't football right what would it look like so like what is your passion and what do you think it would look like if if you went to a bar of like everybody intently focused on quote-unquote the game
2: Right, but the thing is, here with the game, in a football game, at a bar, you know, the time is defined and limited, right? You have, you know, some specific number of quarters, and it's going to end eventually. But with archaeology and like other subjects like that, it's not as defined. It's very long term. You you really don't know where it's going to go. But I can see maybe, maybe like, let's say there's a new discovery that just happened or something, but it doesn't work that way in archaeology. I feel like. People take well, an a long time conference. to.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- I would say, you know, I would say the thing is that I think it would have to be an event. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's the main thing for like football because it's always events. Mm-hmm. Each game is a separate event, and then you can root for your team. You can it can be completely unrelated to the team that you generally support, but you can still attend the event. But when it's just like a day to day, this is what happens in life situation. It's a little more difficult, but. I would say it's akin to a political debate, right?
1: Right. That what you're yeah.
0: describing is basically a political debate where it's people talking and yelling at each other over something that's happening on a TV screen in a bar that is unrelated to a sport, right? Because they're arguing about something that has sides. So I think the main thing is you have to have sides, you have to have a story that goes along with what's happening, and you have to have some form of... So that you, you have the tribalism, the, the storytelling, and some sort of uh, element that you are familiar with. So you have to have some familiarity with the sport or the event or whatever's happening. Otherwise, you're just completely lost and you don't care about it.
1: Well, this is to directly relevant to American Idol, which is, you know, this is, is this, a is multi-season phenomenon where people would take sides. They would have the singer of their choice. And it doesn't have to be two sides. I mean, with American Idol, yeah. it was several people. And everyone had their camp or their tribe they belonged to and you know you'd vote for this every week and you you'd have live watchings with your friends i mean it was yeah. just this heated i mean twitter debates were heated so it's I would interesting say
0: the, the thing that sets football apart compared to for example an american idol and i think this is generally true for most sports that are popular in your town community country it's that there is a sense of history that goes along with it that you don't get from most modern pop culture events so when it comes to football generally you root for the team that your family rooted for the team that your community roots for you are from this community you are of this family you grew up watching the sport watching these the this team watching the players change growing with it and I think that makes for a really powerful attachment to the point where you can get those hooligans. I mean, not necessarily in terms of football, but you do get people who are very passionate. And you can't get this from just any sort of event. This is, I think, a little special and a little different. And I don't know. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think that American Idol
1: fans are ext- and Bachelorette fans, very passionate people. You're dealing with a lot of people.
0: Yeah, you're dealing with a lot of people. Right.
2: So, I mean, this has been interesting. We've kind of touched upon the archaeology of football and its history, and like why people uh, have this bond for a specific team. So um, when we come back, we'll talk more about these and kind of expand on the topic. So for now, uh, here's to commercial.
1: Are you like me? You're just so passionate about football. You've just got to be there in the game. But problem is you don't like drunks and those drunks spilling alcohol on you. And in fact, you don't really like people at all. Well, we've got a solution for you and it's the football isolation booth. It's inflatable, it's portable, and it's waterproof. Well, it's beerproof. It contains a screen for watching the game with a premium one minute delay. It's like a box seat in the bleachers. Arrive early to set up and before those pesky people arrive. Football Isolation Booth. Get yours online today.
2: Okay, fans, welcome back. Um, this is Ray. I'm with Luis and Stephanie, and we're going to continue the conversation on uh, football, you know, it's, its progress in history, and, you know, how other different types of people view the sport, even if you think about how different cultures and different countries view the sport, because it's not really a popular sport in most countries. Well, in fact, when you say football, people think of soccer as we know it. So, um, yeah, one question I would have is, how do you, coming from, like, Cubans, what do they think of American football, Luis? I'm just wondering.
0: Uh, not much in general. We don't really watch it. And, well, we don't really get a lot of exposure to it. So we don't really have much of an opinion on it. In Cuba, people tend to prefer baseball. Um Maybe some boxing. Uh, baseball's really, though, the national sport. Soccer is kind of starting to make pretty big waves there, but Cuban, foot, Cuban soccer isn't particularly great. Um, How many teams want-
1: are in Cuba for, for uh, soccer, Soccer, not American football?
0: I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't know if you can tell this, but I'm not a big sports person. <laughs> um, so my interest in the, in this is purely academic rather than more in terms of, like, the fan aspect. I think, for me, what's really interesting is a transition out... Well, not out of, but the, the transition that, for example, eSports are going through. The way that sports is changing and the nature of sports, because what was once a purely athletic institution, with maybe some intellectual in terms of, like, strategizing for football, uh, eSports is allowing for a whole league of relatively unathletic people to get in on the action of sports.
2: What do you mean by esports? Like, is this video gaming?
0: Yeah, that's what that is. It's people oh. playing video games for money, and okay. there's there's a there's a huge community out there for it. I think uh, uh, last year I think Dota had the biggest price pool, several million dollars, for the top team. The, what is Dota? Dota is defense of the. It's it's a, it's a game. Okay. It's it's team. game. Well, what is game. it
2: for our fans? D-
0: uh, it's a game within the genre called um. MOBA, and the, the whole idea is you have three lanes or generally some number of lanes in this genre, and you have to use your heroes uh, strategically to try to like destroy Warcraft the enemies. The yeah, you're trying to destroy the, the enemy's base, basically. It's called, yeah, it's and you're, Defense
2: of the Ancients. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't really play it or Actually, I don't play it at all, but I am aware of it and I'm aware that it's like a huge eSport. Another one that is also really big and people tend to know about it is StarCraft. The StarCraft scene in South Korea was huge and it kind of started moving here. Blizzard has done a lot to mm-hmm. get a lot of sports moving over into the eSports scene.
1: What's the difference um, between eSports and video games generally? Or are all video games considered eSports? What would you say?
0: No, that? no. Uh, only video ga- It's only an eSport if it's professional.
1: So, So oh, so but
0: it's it's the difference between playing soccer at home and going to a soccer game. But it could be be any
1: video game. So if you play any video game professionally, meaning you're you're getting money out of this,
0: oh, that's that's a tough one. I don't know. I don't think most. I don't think single player games tend to be seen on that level. I think there are speedrunners and things like that, but I don't think they tend to be seen on the level of a sport. I think generally sports have to do some with some level of competition. So you have a games conspeti- with a game competitive aspect. The interesting thing though is that games tend to have rule changes that happen much more often, right? Because a game is basically owned by a publisher or by uh, you know whoever made the game by the the developer. So as opposed to f- football, which has evolved over hundreds of years, and although there is like a big organizing body, people can just ignore it. Like if the NFL says not the NFL. Uh, yeah, if the NFL says this is how we do things now, you at home can choose to do things a completely different way. You don't have to listen to them because you all you need is a ball to play. But if you download a game to play by your own by your on your own, and the game gets updated so that your character now works a different way altogether, that affects everyone, regardless of whether you're playing it professionally. Mm. So the dynamics are very different because the game is owned by someone. The game was created by someone who has very specific access to how the game works.
2: Nobody owns football right now. The game is at
0: least not the idea of football. Right. You can right, lead, I, I you do league and not like sure. teams, but you can't own. You can't like sue someone for playing football a way. different way or mm-hmm. like copying football. Um, That's fascinating. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting dynamic. The other thing is that it's. You can see the challenges that current sports are facing by kind of looking at the challenges that esports are facing now that they're becoming more recognized. So something I've seen that's been a big challenge for them is create the creation of stars. Earlier in the podcast, we were talking about how a lot of it has to do around narrative. That's one of the things that really brings people and creates super fans, having narratives that you can attach to, and. That's more difficult to see in esports, mostly because it's so new and there's so many players and no one knows them. um, Well, I think that
1: they know them in that niche, though. So if you're a total fan, like I think of uh, when DDR was huge and people would like have DDR competitions. This is Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Which was when I was in
1: high school was like so popular. You'd go to the arcade <laughs> and play DDR, and people would play for money, and they'd really compete against each other, and you'd have local stars. You'd have those people that would show up at your arcade that would be very well-known, like, oh, he's the best. He can do this or that. And then you, there were also these global stars that would, people would take videos of them playing the game, and they would upload them to YouTube and show the competitions on online.
0: But I think this is different. I think that sports stars stardom is a little bit bigger than that. I think it's you know these people's lives. They have drama that you're familiar with. You don't just, right. they are household names, names. You argue over them being on this team or that team. It's more than just, this person's good. It's, this is a person I can identify with or hate or have very specific emotions about rather than just admire their skill. I think that's something that is missing from esports and game this this new generation of games that are coming out that don't necessarily have that built in because their audiences are far more niche. They are getting much bigger and they're not like now like selling out stadiums in the US, even though originally like that was only really a thing in South Korea. And Ray, you seem to have something. To yeah, add
2: so to. I wanted to mention that there is one thing that they're not missing in esports when you compare it to regular sports, and that's performance-enhancing drugs. Oh yes, that's true. Yeah. So mm. you have all these players uh, who are, you know, work, you know, working or playing for a long time. You know, they use things like Adderall and Ritalin and Vyvanse to keep up, and a lot of them, many use uh, energy drinks, Red Bull, things like that. One thing I uh, just read about was that. The International Esports Federation is uh, part of the committee. They they signed the World Anti-Doping Agency. They're in that um uh, committee, so they agree to out to outlaw any performance-enhancing drugs in the sport. But many competitions don't really enforce it at all. So uh, it's an interesting thing, and we'll see how that plays out.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting grab bag. I I think it's fascinating. For example, one thing that's interesting about all these sports is that a lot of these games can be seen for free if you just go on, for example, Twitch. A lot of these biggest, bigger matches are freely available on the internet. You don't have to pay a, you don't have to have a cable subscription or uh, a sports pass or anything to watch them. You can actually see a lot of these games also played in a stadium. Although, I find that fascinating because it's literally just watching people sitting at a computer, right? But they you show can up in person happening. to watch it. Yeah, you can you show up in person to watch people sitting at a computer and to look at a screen of what they're playing.
1: You would think that think the is, audience needs the uh, the energy enhancing drugs for that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised how passionate people can get at these things, but uh, I mean, I've never been to one, but I do I have seen these games online and it is a huge community at this point I mean, for what some do, of them, others what do you, not.
1: Oh, sorry. What do you think that they serve for like snacks in a in a stadium like that? Like, would they be? Would it be mm-hmm. more quiet and so like chips and nachos would not would maybe not be allowed? Do you think that maybe like you have to eat quieter foods because everybody's so focused, or is it loud and there's music? Have you ever been to? No, movies? I think it's
0: generally they tend to be pretty loud and raucous. It's basically yeah. like a sports ga- a sports game except you're watching people sit at a computer.
1: Yeah, so you're cheering for them and.
0: Yeah. Okay. People get, like, really excited about key moments. There's commentators telling you what's happening in the play-by-play and, like, looking at the map and giving you, like, detailed strategy and all the things you would expect from any of the dressings of a regular sport except it's people sitting at a computer. That's, like, the the main thing is they could be playing any number of games at that computer, but the the overall attire of the event... Has taken on the look of any other sports game that we might be familiar with?
2: so so I have a big problem, I think, with this and eSports in general. I feel like I like normal sports as an entity more than eSports because of the fact that it it encourages younger people to be active and like use their physical bodies more and more. Having esports kind of like you become, Sedentary. Your lifestyle is sedentary. Um, it's overall just not healthy for sure, uh, regardless of any drugs that you use and the performance-enhancing drugs that you yeah. use. So I think, like having that culture of, oh, I want to be like the the NBA star. I want to be like Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. And having those aspirations as a little kid or as a as a teenager or even in college, ha- having those aspirations helps a community and a society because it encourages them to be. Active and you know participate in like those kind of activities as opposed to video games I have no doubt that video games have their benefit. And I think what the like the cure here is would be to Integrate virtual reality into these these games into these sporting games e-sporting games this way You could still be playing a video game, but in a way you're also u- utilizing some motion of your body I just think that sitting for eight hours a day no matter if it's at work or playing a e-sport um, I just want to avoid celebrating that in any way possible
0: well, i so go ahead, go ahead. Well, i a lot would there, so. i
2: would
1: so I have a challenge for that because you know I, mm-hmm. I I agree that like we've moved from DDr, which is very active to mm-hmm. something like you're sitting at a computer just playing World of Warcraft, but there are a lot of gamers that actually because they're professionals and they're sitting for hours, they tend to have healthier lifestyles to be able to do that otherwise they start to hurt a lot. And so mm-hmm. you have this um, this one person, so on the IQ.intel uh site, um, they talk about esports and, and like healthy lifestyles. And there's this StarCraft two player who says that most players he knows that are competing at the highest levels are already exercising and doing things because otherwise that you know doing things to make them more healthy. Otherwise, they actually can't compete with the others.
0: There's two big aspects to most of these games. One of them is that they tend to be intell- they can be very intellectual, and in that you have to be one collaborating with your team really well. You know, you have to be make sure that either if you have a team, some of them are solo, one v one. But generally, there's a lot of cooperation that needs to go into it. A lot of coordination. You need to really know a lot about what you're doing, and you need to be thinking really fast on your feet. And the second thing is a lot of them require an ungodly level of uh, basically dexterity in in terms of your hands and your just hand-eye coordination is insane. Because you need to be able to be in a hundred places at once, especially, for example, like StarCraft. These people need to be able to be manipulating hundreds of units simultaneously, while also running an economy, while also doing this other thing, and thinking about the next step, and knowing exactly what battle plan to do, and predicting the opponent, and also scouting their location, and doing all these things, basically simultaneous. And the level of ability that is necessary to be at that level is insane.
1: Yeah, so you That's have not to
0: say to- that... Yeah, I, I would say that, uh, while I agree that it can... It, yes, these wanting to be a video game master or whatever the pro league whatever highest level can instill an idea that you should be at your computer a lot because that's how you get good at those but sports don't come without their own risks i mean we have concussions from football we have and not all sports are as active i mean let's think about if you're a professional uh I don't know what you you call it. (laughs) Golfers? No, maybe golf. Yeah, but golf has its level of activity. But let's say your entire sport is just shooting, just target shooting. You're sitting in one place, firing a loud weapon that could deafen you and create long-term damage to your ears. And you're not particularly active. You need to have some maybe like upper arm strength that you're not like getting ricocheted off the place. But you probably are not doing a lot of sprinting and doing all these other things while you're there. Since you're just standing and shooting, but then again, I could be completely wrong. If any of our listeners are, you know, uh, pro shooter, shooters, yeah. yeah, please let us know. I'm happy to be wrong. But I would say I don't think that what's idolized about sports is the fact that it's physical activity. I think it's skill. That's yeah. really what people find fascinating. It's looking at people who can do things yeah. that they could never do in a hundred years. Because I know I'm not competing with. Any of these people in any of these sports, I am not going to be doing that. That's not what I want to spend, you know, my time getting professional at either football or StarCraft.
1: The worry I, I have that I'm matches, not that yeah, the worry I have that that matches Ray's worry is the casual players who look at the pro players that are esports gamers and they say, "Wow, I'm like, I want to be like that," and they ca- do casual gaming, but they don't have all of the healthy exercises Mm -hmm. and stuff that pros do to keep going. And so they're sitting in their basement playing in the dark for hours and in a very unhealthy environment.
0: I would disagree that I don't think most people who are casual would try to go pro. I think if you're trying to go pro, you're already a very heavy player. Well, I guess they're not trying
1: to go pro, but they're... You know, when you look up to something, you know, there's high school football players that always look up to... You know professional football players maybe they don't want to become professional football players but
2: but they follow them on on tv and whatnot they watch the games and watch the super bowl and i'm not saying video gamers casual video gamers they probably don't even if they're casual they probably don't even pay attention to esports that much uh, unless it's their game that's being played or, or something but i'm just talking about in general if you think about the average of both sides having you know that um, level of activity or in sports is just higher than
0: Yeah, e-sports. absolutely. yeah. You're probably, on average, if you're a player of a sport versus a player of a video game, and you don't play the other, th- and you don't do the other thing, like you don't. don't exercise, and yeah, okay, maybe. But I think video games are a hobby like any other, and if your hobby comes, if you balance out your life and exercise or take at least some precautions to be healthy... Mm-hmm. Whether or not you play mm-hmm. sports, you're going to be healthier. I mean, the same way you could be a junior player in some random – your sports – I mean your job's football league or your job's baseball game league. Really? You could still be paunchy and really unhealthy. You play baseball once a week and you feel that's it. That's your entire exercise for the week. And then you go home and eat three burgers. I don't know.
1: Maybe we need I, to be worrying just... about the spectators. Maybe that's our issue is that – you know, it's not casual gamers that don't have the right healthy attitude or whatever. Because you're right. I mean, at least they have at least some, some level of activity, And but also not pro level. So they're going home and eating a hamburger. But maybe we're worried about the wrong people. Perhaps it's spectators, the people who watch yeah. sports at home and do no other passion for themselves that gets them off the couch. The Bachelor fans that watch horrible television. <laughs> No judgment, no judgment.
0: Our, our listener base is very, very, very dedicated to The Bachelor. So bachelor watch very, very carefully. It's so a if one that's one. who
1: we're attracting, I'm really questioning our content. <laughs> but, you know, do we need to worry about people becoming spectators to the point that they're not following their own passions?
0: I, so... And I, I don't know if Bray wanted to jump in here. So um, following I've their own of,
2: passions, what I want to say is how does one develop a passion in the first place? Usually it's based on what else society is doing maybe or like what they, they emotionally are connected with. And if there's just a higher percentage of esports that they see around, they might become passionate in or just like e-gaming, you know? But if yeah. there's a higher percentage of regular sports, people will tend to be like playing regular sports. So it's kind of, it's what you're exposed to. And my only concern is that esports will grow so large and maybe more than regular sports. I don't think it's a real concern, but it's just like a thought I had, you know, like what if yeah. like in the future people get so into their technology where like regular sports becomes like a rarity, and like, you know? But I'm, so one thing that's important is like in our education systems and all that, like, you know, PE, physical education class, I don't think should be taken out at all. Lunchtime during grade school should stay there because, you know, gym class, all these things are helpful. If we just eliminated all of that, well, some people might not have any other opportunities to play. They should be playing normally on their normal days without the class. But many environments in their home, their parents don't like exposing to that thing. So I think that's a issue to watch out for.
0: Yeah. I I agree that we should obviously not take out physical education time in schools, and we should encourage kids to be active. I agree 100%. I think that those are separate issues, though. I don't think they are related to – I don't think sports are going away. Okay. Flat out, I don't think they're going away. There's too many passions, and although there is a lot of things competing for people's time, they're still here, and they're not – I don't think the viewership is down so much that they are in inherent danger of disappearing, at least not the very concept of physical sports. Some sports may suffer more than others. New sports might pop up, but in I mean, I don't think quidditch is going anywhere, but um uh um, shout out to you quidditch players amongst our listeners. Um but I don't think that uh esports are going to completely supplant regular sports, just like I don't think that yes, I don't think the esports necessarily help with the obesity epidemic. I don't think they're going to be the main contributor to making people fat though. Okay. Um, I that's think these true. are. All, I mean, the
1: Super Bowl has yeah. more watchers than, you know, s- the State of the Union. So, like, if yeah. anything's going to die first, it's probably people caring about politics. <laughs> as sad as that <laughs> sounds, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Before they um, stop caring about the Super Bowl, which uh, scares me.
0: On the topic of politics, we've talked about you know lunch, uh, school lunches, and things like that. And I think this is a good place to really uh, begin to wrap up. I just want to thank our listeners for suggesting ideas for topics for today. Uh, this uh, spe- special grab bag episode that we had?
2: Yeah, so one thing I wanted to uh, mention to, the, to our audience that there is a, a conference actually at Harvard, at the Harvard iLab on February 17th, and it's called The Rise of the Quantified Athlete. It's an experiential forum on the future of athletic performance. So if you're interested in wearable technology, uh, artificial intelligence, big data sensors, uh, this conference will... Have lots of athletes um, and, and scientists, people all coming together and kind of discussing what's the future going to look like when uh, these types of technologies become more mainstream, what's happening now. So it's going to be at the Harvard iLab, February 17th.
0: Well, uh, thank you, Ray. I think uh, any listeners should definitely take that third opportunity. And uh, that's it for this week. Come back with us next week. We'll be, we're trying to get on our weekly schedule, so you should be hearing us regularly. Um, remember to sign up you can find the podcast on soundcloud and stitcher and itunes and you can also uh, sign up to our social platforms on pflpodcast.com we can find us on uh, twitter under the pfl podcast i believe yes at the pfl podcast and also on facebook uh you can reach out to us individually uh if you have any questions please send us any messages comments concerns anything and we'll happily try to integrate what we hear into the podcast and as always Stay crazy.
2: Stay crazy.